This episode is brought to you by Morty, Buzzshot, Cogs, and Patreon supporters like you. Cogs by Clockwork Dog is an easy-to-use platform for running interactive events, specializing in escape rooms. They have plug-and-play hardware that seamlessly integrates with their software, so you can create a show with lighting and sound cues, all without having to write a single line of code. Map different kinds of inputs and outputs by building up simple logic steps which determine what you want to happen and when. Some of the best experiences in the world use COGS, including Phantom Peak in London and The Room in Berlin. Now I've been to The Room and they have the highest standards for immersion, lighting, sound, and automation. And now they're using the COGS platform with custom plugins in all of their newest rooms. The COG starter set is normally valued at $257, but our listeners can get the starter set today for only $130 with free shipping to the US. You can learn more and purchase your COGS starter set at COGS.show. Use code REPOD at checkout. That's R-E-P-O-D. Link and details in the show notes. Welcome to the Reality Escape Pod, your lifeline when you need a getaway from the real world. I'm David Spira, alongside my co-host, PG Law. Together, we're exploring immersive gaming from all angles, and we'll be joined by guests who really know their stuff. Today's guest is the multi-talented Christine Barger. Christine is a ventriloquist, actress, influencer, blogger, and co-owner of the Exit Game OC, where along with her husband, Jeremiah, they have created the fantastic and hilarious escape game, 13th Basement in Anaheim, California. Welcome, Christine. Thank you. That's very kind. I'm so glad you got to play our game. Me too. It's hilarious. We're going to be talking all about that. We have so many things to talk about because you do a lot of stuff and we're going to try and explore as much of it as we possibly can. I know that was an impressive list of accomplishments. <laughs> it's just stuff she does. Researching you is wild. <laughs> <laughs> I've done a lot of things. Yeah, all sorts of stuff and like weird stuff that other people haven't done, like paying off my debt from college by winning game shows and just all sorts of weird stuff. I mean, not everybody hasn't done it because PG, you understand the world of reality and game shows, but... Yeah, but I didn't use it for anything so useful as paying off debt. I just used it to likely put myself into more debt, but that's another story. (laughs) (laughs) Christine, you and I go way back. I first met you as the haunt girl where... Along with Lisa and I, you were part of the very small U.S. escape room blogging community and the even smaller community of those of us who are still around. In your case, though, you were also covering haunts in addition to escape rooms. I'm curious how you got into all of this. So I started basically responding to all of my friends on DMs. What should we do this year? What's the best haunt this season? And... I got tired of responding to everybody individually. And I said, I'm just going to make a list for you and I'll put it on my blog because I had in my actor blog. And then it just became a thing where I kept having to like update it. And then I discovered escape rooms. So then I was like, everyone was asking me about those. And pretty soon I just started making an individual blog because I didn't want it all over on my acting blog. And then 
I started making YouTube videos because I don't really like writing and it just made everything easier. <laughs> and so pretty soon I had like a channel and people recognizing me at haunted houses that were like, oh my gosh, you're the haunt girl. And I'm like, hi, oh, people are watching that. So were you like a super fan of haunts and that's why your friends were all coming up to you? They just knew that you were really into them and you went to a lot of them? Yeah, I've always really been into haunted houses, the paranormal, all of that sort of thing. It's just been an interest of mine since I was young. And I worked at a haunted house for a few years. And then one night I got the night off and I got to go to the Queen Mary and I went by myself and they let me go through the Queen Mary attraction alone, like on the boat, the lullaby. The Queen Mary is like a giant cruise ship that's docked here in Long Beach. And every year in Southern California, it's one of the major haunt attractions is they set up a bunch of different walkthrough attractions inside the bowels of the ship. But it's cool because you're going through like the engine room and the dining room and it's all inside the ship. And it's terrifying. I can't believe you went through it by yourself. So I actually had a really cool experience on the Queen Mary by myself that got me so interested in doing all these other haunts. So I started going to like 15 haunts in a season just for fun. And then everyone was asking me like, well, you go to all these things. What's the best one? And then I would be like, this is the best if you like this. And this is the best if you like this. And so I was like, well, I'll just write it all down. And then once I started really getting into like blogging about it and YouTube videos and everything, there are seasons where I'll go to like 35 events in a season easily and just make trips around the country just to see the haunted houses. And while I'm there during the day, we'll go to the escape rooms. So we just pack as much in as we can. So I might do like six escape rooms that day and then three haunts that night, then get as much sleep as I can to get up and do it again the next day for like three days and then come back after a long weekend. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sounds similar to uh, a lifestyle I might be familiar with. But we really couldn't do that back in the day because there just wasn't that much to do. No, I mean, in the early days, back when we first started blogging about escape rooms, the idea of taking a trip dedicated to escape rooms was inconceivable because you'd go to a city and if it had three games, it was a lot. Yeah. Now, if you find a company that has less than three games in their building, you're like, oh, why don't you have more games? <laughs> I'm guessing you get that a lot. <laughs> we hear that all the time. When's your next game going to open? We don't know. Someday. Someday it will open when we finish it. You heard it here, folks. Someday. All right. So obviously you have a ton of experience with attending haunts. What do you look for in a haunt experience? What is it that really impresses you? If it's fun. <laughs> I pretty much want to have fun in all the things I do in my life. So when I go to a haunt or an escape room, I want to have fun. If a haunted house can scare me, awesome. If they scare me in the wrong way, not so awesome. I don't love it when I go to an independent haunt with children that are the monsters that are attacking me with the props and whacking me in the shins to try to scare me. I don't find that fun. I do find that terrifying. Because I think I'm genuinely going to get hurt and I don't like it. Aside from children attacking you with props, what are you not enjoying at this point in your haunt going career? What's your handheld blacklight of haunts? I hate conga lines. If you can't control how many people are coming to your event, then you can at least purge a line. It's the worst. So is that the trend? 
My memory of it is mostly from 10 years ago. And my memory is the conga line. But is the trend different now? Is it more like pulsed where they send you through in groups and they pause and wait so there's distance in between? It's not. It should be. It's just not. It depends on the event. The theme parks, they don't really... They try. Six Flags, they try so hard to pulse their line. They really do a good job of doing their best to make it your own experience, considering it's a theme park. I feel like you could have just ended that sentence at Six Flags. They try so hard. They do. (laughs) I love Six Flags. They're the ma and pa of theme parks. (laughs) We've got great adventure over here. And El Toro is a gem of a roller coaster. (laughs) But they really do try to purge the lines. It's pretty rough. The smaller events are better for that. If you're doing something like Delusion, you're literally going through the whole event in your own group of like 10 or 15 people. That's amazing. It's kind of like comparing private games and escape rooms to public games. That's a good comparison, I think. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We've all had that experience in a public game back in, especially back in the day. Not as much anymore because there's very few companies that seem to still do it. But definitely we've had those experiences in public games. We were like, oh, this would be fun. But these other people are making it less fun for me. And I've had that happen in haunts. I was in Vegas going through a really cool haunted attraction. And they put us with three other girls, not even a big group, just three other girls. And one of them jumped on me. Um, (laughs) And I was like, this is less fun because you're on my back now like a child riding on me. You need to get off. Which I think I've told David this in private before. I told her several times to get off of me and eventually she just didn't stop and I grabbed her and I threw her across the room. She thought I was a character in the haunt. But yeah, I don't deal well with people grabbing onto me. If I don't know you, don't jump on my back. That seems like just good life advice. Yeah, just in life. If you don't know me, just don't, you don't need to grab onto me. But that's the worst part of the conga lines. People are pushing you and they're getting the scares and you're not. So it's just like in that escape room where they're getting the puzzles and you're not. They're elbowing you for the experience, getting you out of the way. And you're not really getting the experience that you paid for. And so or you just keep seeing the same scares happen to the person, five people in front of you. And by the time you get there, you're just, okay. this is a thing that just happened. And I know that it was about to happen because I just saw it happen four times in front of me. Yeah. And on a really busy night in a really big attraction that doesn't know how to purge their lines properly or just decide not to, you may get stuck in one room for 10 minutes just standing there. And the poor actors are trying desperately to do their job, but there's only so much they can do. There's only so many times they can hit that button and jump out of that door with those flashing lights before they're like, oh, I'm about to get punched by a guest. Because that's another thing that's really rough when you get in those big groups of people. It's not just the other guests that have to take the beating. The characters do too. And that was another reason why I stopped working at Big Haunts is because I got tired of being punched, being grabbed inappropriately, people getting in my face, trying to scare me. There was one night I was dressed as a character that was a cheerleader with no eyes. And the gentleman coming through thought I really couldn't see them. Obviously, I can still see it's a character and they would turn (laughs) and grab my chest and laugh and then run off before I had the ability to get security. And it was awful. And so there are a lot of guests that behave that way toward the characters. And when you see that as a guest, it's also just terrible because you're like, now I feel bad for the monsters because they're going through it because 
they're not purging the lines properly or they're not doing crowd control properly. So crowd control is probably my handheld black light of, of rooms. When you say purging the line, I'm picturing letting the people on the line kill each other. Oh my God, please let's do that next year. Uh, no, it's when you let small group go and then wait and hold the line and then let a small group go and then you hold the line. I mean, I talked about it recently where I had gone through some escape rooms that were supposed to be really scary. And I'm like, mm, I didn't find it that scary. And then I realized it's because I was hiding behind my friend who just doesn't get scared. And, and I told my friends this and now every time they're like, PG, you first go ahead first in the room. And so I'm like, I did this to myself. But I do think that if you are looking to have more of that fun factor, you can't hide behind the big guy. You know, you got to be up front. And honestly, everybody will have a better time because when you get scared, everyone else gets more in the mood and festive, right? It's boring to go through and everyone be cynical about it. It's so much more fun in both haunts and scary escape rooms if everybody's there wanting to be frightened and have fun. It's more fun for the game master. It's more fun for the actors. It's more fun for you as the guests. It's just more fun. It is less fun when a guest goes through and tries to be tough, tries to prove they aren't going to get scared, tries to pretend they aren't scared when they are. It's just not fun. And I don't understand why people go to haunts and say, oh, well, I don't get scared. I don't want to go. I don't know. Like, to prove how like, tough they are. Yeah. <laughs> to prove how tough they are. <laughs> and the worst thing for me to see as a guest is another guest being a jerk to the monsters or the characters because they are scared and they're trying to pretend they're not. And so they like bark back at them or howl at them or do something stupid. And it's like, stop. We're all here to have fun. If you're not here to have the same fun, go somewhere else. Just get out of this line and go away because I want to enjoy it. I want to, I don't really get that scared either, but I'm not trying to like pretend that I'm tough. If I do get scared, I usually crack up and start laughing because I'm like, oh my God, you got me. And I'm like, that's just how I react to being scared is it, it goes from like, ah, to <laughs> the best response I found is to scream and then laugh. So if you laugh, they'll let you go. They're like, job well done. I scared them and I'll move on. If you scream and keep cowering, they're like sharks in the water with blood. When the one guy who's cowering, I see all the actors from all the corners run over because they can smell the fear and they just want more of it. So if you want to be left alone, scream and then laugh. I know people who brag about getting people so scared they pee themselves. That's like a bragging right for a monster. I think we're going to leave it at that. <laughs> we're taking a moment to thank our sponsor, Morty. Morty is a free app for discovering, planning, tracking, and reviewing escape rooms, haunts, and other immersive social outings. And Morty is now available for all to use on its fantastic website experience, iPhone app, and its brand new Android app, available now on the Google Play Store. I believe in Morty so much that I have a stake in it as an advisor. David, spooky season is here. I am so excited. I love Halloween and there is nothing I love better than getting some pumpkin spice cocktails and going out to find something that will just scare the hair off of my head. 
<laughs> and you know what's the most exciting thing is that Morty has haunts now. There are a ton of listings in there. I never know which are the really good ones to attend. And I love that I can find haunts on Morty now. There's reviews and I can see where they all are on the map. This is super exciting. I'm really excited that the addition of haunts also brings more people into the escape room world. I'm hoping that as Morty goes and expands in different directions, isn't just introducing us to new fun experiences, but it is introducing new audiences to the things that we love. You can learn more at morty.app slash repod. That's R-E-P-O-D to sign up and get a special badge for our listeners. Link and details in the show notes. So changing topics here, you are a professional content creator and influencer and have been for quite a few years. By my observation, you attack every social platform that seems useful to you with a vigor that I have always struggled with. Can you help me understand your approach? I've been really blessed that a lot of the platforms pick me which is cool. I was actually going to open an escape room many, many years ago. I had designed a room. It was mobile. And I had looked at buying a truck to put it in. And I was just about to apply for the loaning to get it off the ground. I'd even started buying props already and building things for it. And the day before I went to go get the loan and get the truck... I got a notification where someone had requested that I take a meeting with this app called Musical.ly and they wanted me to be a live streamer. And I was like, I'll go to this meeting because I didn't move to LA from Indiana to be an escape room owner. Like I came out here to be an entertainer. Not that I'm not an entertainer as an escape room owner. That's still being an entertainer, but I like to be performing. I'm a performer. And so I said, let me go take this meeting. And then I'm sure I can get that going. Then I'll open the escape room and I'll just do both. That'll be easy. I'll have plenty of time for that. So I go to the meeting and I end up live streaming for this platform. Sorry, it started with Live Me. So they recruited me first. I start streaming with Live Me and it ends up being like eight hour days, six, seven days a week. So not a whole lot of extra time. And then they had short content. And then Musical.ly, I got involved with Musical.ly because this lovely guy named Jay, who I met at a party for Live Me. And he's like, you do puppets, you've got to get on this kid's app. So I got on Musical.ly. And then they got me in their live streaming program. So now I'm live streaming on two platforms, hours and hours a day. I was required to do like four hours, three times a week on one, eight hours, six days a week on the other. So now I have no time. <laughs> so the escape room went by the wayside. And then I just started getting more and more followers and more and more fans. And then I thought, this is really going to help me with my acting career because social media is great. And I'd had YouTube since, I don't know, my YouTube's from back when... Miranda Sings was just figuring out that she was going to wear sweatpants, you know? Is that where they found you from? Was from your YouTube career? No. They found me on one of those stupid platforms that you upload like your pictures and your bio and you can hire party entertainers. So they, <laughs> they wanted different types of content so badly and they didn't know where to find different types of content because it was all just like F boys and like pretty girls being like, oh my gosh, hi everybody. Right. Model, model slash yeah. influencer types. They wanted somebody with talent. 
to come on the platform that they could actually get to do shows because they wanted to take over like the industry as entertainment. And so they needed actual entertainers. And so they went on these platforms and they looked up jugglers and magicians and ventriloquists and just reached out to us. I'd always had a little social media, but I'd never done like hardcore short content streaming. I'd done my YouTube which was just more of a side thing that I was doing when I had time. Shorts wasn't a thing on YouTube yet. Monetization wasn't a thing when I started YouTube and just let my YouTube sit for years because I thought, well, I'm not going to make any money off this. They don't have a way to monetize. So I stopped making content in like 2006 (laughs) and then got back to it later. But I just have been having these companies reach out to me. And so then Instagram reached out, YouTube reached out. So they've put me in their programs Because once you get into one and they recognize there's some sort of talent there and some sort of fan base, then your name gets handed around. And then all of a sudden, you've got everyone reaching out saying, well, will you do this? Will you do this? We're going to contract you for this much. Uh, We want you to make this many videos. And so I was like, by the time the pandemic happened, I was making income just sitting at home making short videos of my puppets. So you just leaned into your strengths and something that you already knew to do. Yeah. And I actually didn't think I would ever open an escape room because I'd never gotten around to it. And by that point, I was like, I'm so busy doing these other things and acting. So when we did do the escape room, I was like, oh, good. Now I get to do all the things. Buzzshot is escape room software powering business growth player marketing, and improving the customer experience. They offer an assortment of pre- and post-game features, including robust waiver management, branded team photos, and streamlined review management for Yelp, TripAdvisor, Google Reviews, and Morty. BuzzShot now has integration with Repod sponsor Cogs for all of your technology needs. BuzzShot has an automated system for creating branded team photos. I love photos that have all the details to help me remember which room I played, like the name of the room, the company logo, and I especially love when special effects are added, like maybe a ghostly figure that appears. Imagine the possibilities for seasonal promotions, like adding a Christmas graphic or even the company logo if you're running a team building game. BuzzShot truly helps create memories for your guests. Lizzie Conlin from Palace Games says, We are huge fans of BuzzShot. It is a great time saver and customer pleaser. Streamline your marketing and grow your escape room business. Repod listeners get an extended free trial and 20% off your first three months with no setup fees or hidden charges. Visit buzzshot.com slash repod, that's R-E-P-O-D, to learn more. Link and details in the show notes. I'm like super impressed because so many people are enthusiasts and they dream about becoming owners. You actually took the leap and went from blogging about escape rooms to creating one. So what prompted that decision to finally be like, okay, you know what? It's time now. I'm going to actually do this. Originally, when I wanted to do it, it was because I was tired of seeing things that I didn't enjoy. And then not being part of the solution. I think blogging is awesome. And I love doing it. And I love that you do it. And I think it's great. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, what I don't enjoy are when people give their opinions a lot on things in a negative way and they don't find a solution for it. So when I started finding myself going, well, I don't really like this. I don't like this. I wish that people would do something like this. I thought, well, I should just do what I want to see. And then I stopped complaining that it doesn't exist. I'll just make it. And then when I got busy and ended up not doing it, I wasn't as invested in what I didn't like. And then the industry grew so much, so fast, and it became the thing that I did like. So then when the pandemic happened, uh, a friend of ours, Jeff, who owned Exit Game, had a third location under development. He had the permits. He had the location. uh, He had the walls up. And small businesses were really hurting. And he decided he didn't want to finish that build. And he called up and said, hey, do you want to take a look at this space? I think you should own an escape room. You should be creating these. And I was like, thanks. That's sweet. No, I don't want to do that. That sounds like a lot of work. (laughs) So I put him on the phone with Jeremiah and I said, figure out if this is something you think we want to do. Because we had already started investing in another company. And so we were like, maybe we should build our own. And so we looked at the space. It was awesome. It's 40 miles from where we live. So it's far still. It's great. And we didn't have to deal with the permitting or the business licenses and all that stuff the same way as we would have if we started from nothing. We didn't have to put a year's worth of rent into a building without knowing we were going to actually be able to build. You just got to start at the fun stuff, designing and creating. (laughs) Yeah. and, And so we still had to do the business side of it, but we didn't have to deal with the fear of the permitting. And we'd seen people like Maddie and Luke go through it at Crossroads and with slashers, watching them just really go through it with the city. Slashers. So she's talking about Maddie and Luke Rhodes from Crossroads Escape Room in Anaheim, and they just opened up an axe throwing business called Slashers. (laughs) Yes. And I've seen them speak at conventions and stuff about how they'd gone through it. I actually recorded one of their talks and put it up on my channel years ago. And I knew that it was challenging and we were scared of investing our house fund in something and then having the city say, oh, you didn't fill this outright or you didn't put a period here. And so, nope, we're just, you're out all this money, but we didn't have to fear that. So we went ahead and took the opportunity and we got to design the thing that we always wanted to see, which we're really proud of. And it was really hard. It was really hard. And it really made me look back on my opinions as an enthusiast and say, you know what? Who was I to say that something wasn't good enough if I wasn't willing to do it myself? And to be so critical on people who were putting their heart and their soul and their own money into something because they were passionate about it. I'm still going to keep my opinions about people who got into the business just to make money. I, I have a whole nother opinion on that. But people who really love escape rooms, who got into it and did their best, and even if it's not a game that I enjoy, doesn't mean that they didn't put their whole heart and soul into it and that they didn't put all their money into it. And it's so much learning. Like I have learned more in the last two years than I probably did in my entire college career. Yeah, I bet. I've always been so impressed by anybody who opens up an escape room because there's so much that goes on into these. And now I'm like, you got me in a crisis. I'm like, am I being overly critical when I talk about these things? But I think that luckily I have a good influence from like David and Lisa. Will you, you all lift up the industry. And that's what we've always strived to do. Yeah. And that's always what I wanted to do too, was lift up the industry. 
the problem that you're describing of wanting to be the change, that was a lot of the same rationale that Lisa and I went through when we decided we don't like the information that is flowing out into the industry. We don't like the messages that are being said from various stages. We think that there's a better way to do that. And the best thing that we could do is bring the right speakers in front of that audience. And that's what Recon was born out of. It was born out of us being really frustrated and also deciding, well, this is going to be a ton of work. It's going to cost a ton of money, but we should take the gamble because it seems that no one else is going to do this the way that we think it ought to be done. And I think Recon is great. I also think that the tours that you put together get people with other people who are similar in what they want out of the experience to play these games together. So you're not playing with a family with three kids who are just looking for a babysitting moment and you're stuck with them. And so it's not fun for you. Like you've made these communities and you've built and brought people together and help raise them up. And I think that's awesome. Thanks. And I love how you don't criticize games in a way that is hurtful as some bloggers in the past that I'm sure we all can think of examples have done, <laughs> but in a way that is, you're not ADA compliant. So this isn't right for everybody. Here's what I think you could change about the safety for this or this, where it's not in a negative, oh, you suck at safety. It's like, here's some changes. <laughs> We try to keep it constructive and we, we really always have. And even with the tours, we try to use the tours as an opportunity to help the enthusiasts who are coming on that trip to understand the industry better, to recontextualize some of the strengths and some of the weaknesses of each of the companies that are on the tour. Because frankly, nobody's turning every category up to 11. That's okay. Not everyone is going to excel at absolutely every single part of this. But getting a little bit more into the weeds of what you have been doing in your facility, your game, 13th Basement, is a horror comedy that is incredibly self-aware. You and Jeremiah lovingly mock escape rooms and more specifically horror escape rooms in ways that reveal just how well you know the medium. <laughs> I'm curious to hear, what were the goals that you had when you went into this? So when we started our design, we already had our walls up because of the space we took over. So we had to fit everything into the structure we already had there, or we would have to get permits to redo walls. And we were like, we're not doing that. We did take the tunnel out. There used to be a tunnel through the entire game that they had put in and the original design. And we took that out. But one of the main things that we wanted to do is we wanted to have a fun game that was something we'd never seen before and make it make sense. We wanted to make the game as inclusive and as accessible as possible. So we took into consideration our friend who was wheelchair bound, but didn't used to be that had complained to us about how she was able to go into ADA compliant games, but couldn't actually do anything, but sit there and tell her friends to do stuff and help solve the puzzles from her chair and kind of the corner. And we're like, that's not fun. So how do we make our game in a way that you can actually participate and solve things and reach things? We have deaf friends who never seen escape rooms because they never 
thought about playing one because they didn't know they could. And we're like, how can we make our game accessible to the deaf community? We were not successful in making the game fully accessible to the blind community. We do have one puzzle that we specifically put in that's a feeling puzzle. It can also be done with sight, but we've made it so you could feel it. And there are a couple physical puzzles you can do without seeing anything. So you could play with your friends, but we couldn't have an entirely blind group successfully do the game. We struggle with language because we wanted to do the parody stuff as well. And it's really hard to parody American escape rooms without having English-based puzzles. So we do have English-based puzzles. We are able to translate a lot of that through like Google Translator if we need to. Jeremiah built an entire second hint system so that if we have players who English is their second language, they don't speak English or they're deaf, we can type the hints instead of use the videos and the audio. We used videos in our game of people and we made sure they were diverse. We wanted to get some Easter eggs. Dwayne from 13th Gate, his photo is in our room as a puzzle. So we're really excited when he wanted to be a part of that because we really look up to him. He's one of the designers that we had met early on that just, if you haven't done 13th Gate in Baton Rouge, everybody who's listening, stop, look at your budget, look at your schedule and plan a trip. I'm going to go and say, wait on that a little while because oh. the New Orleans community is going through a lot of change right now. Clue Carre and Escape My Room are both moving to new venues. So I would say hold off on the New Orleans Baton Rouge loop, but make sure that is on your to-do list. It should definitely be a bucket list item for anybody who loves escape rooms, haunts, haunted attractions, actual haunted places, like all of it. They have a great community out there. But he was one of the really supportive people that we met early on. Just an incredibly nice human, an incredibly skilled and creative human. I have heard a lot of people come back now that the industry has grown a bit and have complaints about certain things about puzzle design and whatnot over there. And I just want to shake them and say, do you understand what this man has done for our industry? If you don't yeah. like the puzzles, that's a fair assessment. You don't have to, but please do not talk negatively about someone who has raised up this entire community so much and has advanced the immersion that you love so much. <laughs> it just, it irritates me because <laughs> he's such a nice human. I fully agree with you. And that's, this is what I'm talking about when we take people on the tours and we really try to put each facility into context for people and the real understanding of what is actually going on there. There's so much that's going on that it is difficult to process all of the layers of things that are happening there. And it is easy as an enthusiast. And it's something that we are so prone to doing. And we, Lisa and I talked about this at our talk at Recon. It is so easy to fixate on the things that you didn't like at the expense of embracing the things that you did. And there's so much to love and just be blown away by in that building. Yeah. So he was such a big inspiration. So when I reached out to him and said, would you be a part of our game? We want you to be a puzzle and we want you to advertise your escape room in our escape room. <laughs> so please wear your shirt that has your company's name on it. Between him and Caden at the basement, 
and also 13th Hour in Wharton, New Jersey, those were all really the inspiration for the name 13th Basement. We wanted to honor these games. The basement was the first real escape room that we played. And we were so smitten. We fell in love at first bag over the head. Uh, we <laughs> absolutely adored the experience and we just wanted to do more and more of them. And so if it hadn't been for the basement early on that were not just puzzles, but immersive, I don't know if we would have fallen in love with the industry the same way. And then to see somebody like Dwayne over at the 13th gate and just meet these incredible creators, we wouldn't be creating the thing we wanted to create. We wanted to honor them by making the name based on those companies. And then just the humor of all the things that we'd spent years going, oh my gosh, another black light. Or thinking about those moments where I'm going to say, I was a jerk in mission in New York. It's true. <laughs> I walked into that. I was in a bad mood, but I walked into that game like, I don't know, seven years ago, probably. And there was a bookshelf and we went, oh, look, a bookshelf. I wonder if it's a hidden door. And to be so like underwhelmed by the things we used to be so excited about. And we thought, how do we get enthusiasts excited about these things again? Fun fact for you, the bookcase in the hideout at Mission Escape Games may have been the first bookcase that Lisa and I had gone through. <laughs> so it's still super fresh for us when we went and did that one. I mean, I still think about the first refrigerator door that I went into that was a portal into another room. And it was amazing. <laughs> well, and we think about the first time we saw how blacklight paint works with blacklights. It's mind boggling. You're like, There's, this, there was nothing there. Now there's something there. It's fascinating. This is why I always say the problem is not blacklight. The problem is crappy handheld blacklights with failing batteries. <laughs> That's the problem. Blacklight fundamentally is just a really solid tool for the escape room world to make use of. You just need to do it better than these bad handhelds. Yes. We wanted to make an experience that would be really accessible and mind-boggling for new players who'd never seen Blacklight, who'd mm -hmm. never seen a hidden door, who'd never seen any of these things. We also wanted to make an experience that enthusiasts would be like, I remember the first time I saw this. Mm -hmm. I remember the first time I did that. Oh my gosh, they did this, but I've never seen it done that way before. And we wanted it all to make sense. And there was nothing worse in my mind when I started doing escape rooms than serial killer games that didn't make sense. <laughs> Why did the serial killer want to help me get out? All the movies about it too, like, why? Oh, uh, moral choice, whatever. Like, why are you, what are you doing? You want to kill people, kill people. Don't play with them and then let them escape. That's stupid. You're the idiot who's going to get caught. They were like, but he's going to give you Sudoku puzzles. And if you can solve the Sudoku, you'll get to go free. You have cats. So maybe you understand the mind of serial killers who want to play with their prey. I'm just I mean, saying. That's, that's got to be the twist then. You're actually being held by a giant cat. <laughs> oh, shh. Third game. Don't tell anyone. Lots of laser pointers. Right? Uh, you know what? I think that is a great premise for a serial killer game, actually. 
you walk into the room and all of a sudden the wall just like moves and whacks you across the room and you're like, what happened? <laughs> oh, it's a paw. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to run through a circle for 60 minutes without getting hit so hard you get knocked out and then you survive. <laughs> exactly. You can escape. We've stolen their catnip. <laughs> but we wanted something that made sense. And so the best thing we could come up with that made it fun for us was what if the serial killer was an escape room enthusiast who got tired of public games where everybody was breaking rules and doing stupid stuff and taking the puzzles from him. And he just got so fed up with the industry and the people that he built his own game. You just made my super villain origin story. But it was really fun to see how meta you got with it. And actually, I love when I go to escape rooms and they acknowledge that you are at an escape room. You know, usually there may be some side story about it, like this used to be an escape room, but now we've taken it over and we repurposed it into like a hotel. But there may be some leftover artifacts. I like when there's that acknowledgement and I don't have to suspend my disbelief that much. Yeah, I don't see anything wrong with heavy puzzle games for the sake of puzzle games. They're not my game. They're not what we built. They're not what we enjoy as a couple. We enjoy immersion. And so for us, story is really important. And we were able to create a story that allows us to get away with anything because we literally created a game. And so we don't have to justify why you have to push that button. That button is there because you're in an escape room. There's a couple of things that I was really impressed with when I came to do your room. I like that you have a lot of nods to famous escape rooms, as you've mentioned, but there are also a lot of things that you have in your room that I'd not really seen before. You know, I really liked, as you said, that you specified it was very inclusive. We actually, in season five of this podcast, we talked to an inclusive design consultant who talked about starting from the beginning when you're doing an escape room. And I really liked that you included that from the very beginning of the design of your room to have it be accessible to people in wheelchairs and things like that. And the other thing that I had never heard anybody really say before was take your phones into the room, turn them on, turn on the cameras, film everything you have, take photos. You were like, film a TikTok in there if you want. And I was like, this is brilliant. Why doesn't anybody else want to do this? You know, and of course, I think your background as an influencer and your experience, you recognize the value of letting people show off your set design and all the thought and care that you put into it. And so that actually really opened my eyes to all of the missed opportunities, in my opinion, that escape room owners aren't taking in showing off these rooms they've put so much care into. I mean, I do understand they want to preserve some of the secrecy, but I think it's a brilliant move. Were you nervous at all about allowing your entire escape room to be filmed? Or what was the thought process behind that decision to allow people to to film the entire escape room if they wanted to? Part of it came out of a frustration of spending over nine years now going to people's escape rooms, trying hard to promote them, asking them politely, can I take a photo to show how beautiful your set is? And having them say, no. (laughs) (laughs) No. David's nodding his head like, I feel this pain. (laughs) We don't want you to promote us well. We just want you to promote us the way we want you to promote us. And it's frustrating. 
It's really hard. And to be honest with you, when Lisa and I came to play 13th Basement, at the time, we were not prepared to make use of the fact that you were letting us use the space as a canvas. This is something that we would do differently now. But at the time, we were just so used to like having to negotiate to even be able to get a photo or two. And it had never crossed our mind. One of my favorite metaphors is the dog who caught the bus. That was us. Like we caught the bus and we had no idea what to do with it. <laughs> That's fair. Next time you're in town, you're welcome to come back, make lots of content. We're happy to let you promote us. We love it. Oh. We're going to take you up on that. We will be back in, <laughs> in Los Angeles and Anaheim. We're coming back for recon, right? Oh, yeah. And we're going to be back with some prep trips for recon. Yeah. Get your tickets now, folks. RealityEscapeCon.com. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, recon is going to be in person next year in Los Angeles. Indeed. Don't miss it. So we really wanted to make an experience that people could make memories. And the way that society works now is that memories are captured on their camera. On their phone. <laughs> on their phone. Yes. If you are not letting people take a photo or a video in an experience that they're doing, it's like it didn't happen. And it's that phrase, Pixar, it didn't happen. It, and that's true. No one really goes on to one of the social platforms and says, I had the best time at this experience unless they put a photo up. And honestly, even the after game photos, like, yes, they can be fun, a silly photo, especially if it's taken in the room. But is it going to be as fun as you capturing a short video or a photo of you and your friends doing something really silly in an escape room and then you've shared it and it's more personal to you, right? If it's something that you've taken yourself. It's also a function of how much fun is the space allowing you to have? Like, how much fun can you have in front of a wall-sized logo? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, It'd have to be a <laughs> hell of a logo. Yeah. I have a lot of old photos from Endgames, and I cannot tell you what the room was about. It's a logo, and I'm like, oh, yeah, we did that. That was in Vegas, right? And we don't remember anything about the game. Lisa and I don't even have most of the photos that we have taken because we just stopped caring. We're like well over 1,100 games now. It would be cool if we had all of those photos, but most of them are terrible. Yeah, with signs saying, <laughs> I'm with stupid. <laughs> yes, the signs are a very important part of the photo. And I don't know how many... So many people get offended when they said, we have signs. And Jeremiah and I go, okay. And yep. they're like, don't you want the signs? No, we'd rather not hold the signs. Thank you. It happens to <laughs> like, us all the time where they're like, but you're supposed to hold the signs. And we're like, it's okay. We've seen them before. Have you seen this one? Yeah. With the little baby and the fist. Have you ever seen this one? We created this one. No, yep. I've never seen that one. No, nope, I've never, never seen a meme before. printed on paper before. Yeah, it gets to be really frustrating because, well, how do you remember these experiences? You're competing as an escape room with other entertainment. You're not competing with other escape rooms. We have to compete with all of the pop-up museums, with all of the K-pop 
things with the night markets, with the bowling alleys. I don't know if people still bowl, but you know what I mean. So we're competing against all of these other entertainment venues that allow you to have your birthday party and take pictures there. And then they get to an escape room and we're like, no pictures. Oh, how am I going to show my friends that they missed out on my birthday party? (laughs) How am I going to make them jealous for not showing up to my birthday? I had a fun birthday and nobody's going to know about it. So of course we want photos. Also, as somebody who does social media, it's really important to me that I'm able to share things. And I feel like everybody else should be able to share things if they want to. And we've got big discussions in some of those owner groups that I am in on the Facebook about things like influencers coming to play games and such. And ultimately, like, I love influencers. Come play our game and take all the pictures you want. And you tell your friends and your fans and all these people that it's fun so that they come play. I want that. I love that. I welcome that. And I've heard other companies say like, well, we just wish that they wouldn't, they always want to take pictures and we don't want that. And then they ask for in-game footage. Like, yeah, they do. Cause they want to market you to a huge brand new audience that don't know about you. That don't even know that they want to play escape rooms. And right. maybe now they do because this cool influencer came and had fun doing it. The thing is like, if you don't let them come, then they will go somewhere else. They will either go to a competitor or worse, they will go to a different industry that is more friendly to them because they're going to make their content one way or the other. Yeah. This is a choice between relevance and irrelevance. That's the choice we're talking about here. It's not about whether you allow photos or video or not. It's about whether you want to be culturally relevant in 2023. Yes. And one of the things that shocked me absolutely caught me off guard was that the average person, the average influencer, the average escape room enthusiast, pretty much all but two people who've ever played our game didn't want to give spoilers. They thought that would suck if I spoiled this for someone else. So they only share fun moments with their friends and a couple of like little scares that are still going to scare the people when they come in. And they try to keep it pretty nonspecific so it doesn't give away any of the puzzles. Our game is designed in a way you can pretty much film the whole thing and you'd still have to solve it when you came in. I can agree with that. Film whatever you want. We just ask that you try not to ruin the puzzles. Try and that's it. And you were very polite about it. And I think that's really what helps also. You were like, do whatever you want. Just try to avoid this. And that was it. Everybody's been really respectful. The intro that you got as bloggers and content creators yourselves is the same intro that the 12-year-old birthday party gets. Take photos, take videos. Please be respectful not to do anything that you think would be a major spoiler or ruin the experience for somebody else. And everybody is great. And then oh, we'll get the sweetest thing. We'll get people after the game, show us pictures and say, is it okay if I share this? We're like, yeah. Yeah, we asked you to. Go for it. Tag us. It's like the same thing with those movies that have twists. For the most part, your average moviegoer is pretty good about respecting it because if you enjoyed it, you don't want to ruin it for your friends, right? Bruce Willis was dead. (laughs) But, But you have to remember, PG, we've spent almost a decade being told that the reason we aren't allowed to take a photo is because it will ruin the experience for other people. And that everybody's out to steal puzzles and ruin the experience. 
And that's why we're not allowed to do the thing we want to do. When we decided and made that decision, okay, everybody's going to be allowed to take photos. Everybody, not just important people in the social media world or bloggers. Everybody can come in and be that celebrity for their own experience. We were worried. I have always felt like the, I cannot allow people to take photos because they will steal my designs. They will steal my puzzles. I have always taken that as a Lady Macbeth thing. The lady doth protest too much. Whenever they say that, they're just seeing blood on their hands and they're like, yep, I stole all of these puzzles from that crappy company down the street. Because it's rarely the amazing companies that have really novel, interesting games that are just like, oh, taking photos in here is an absolute disaster for me. No, it's the mediocre companies where I'm pretty sure they copied all their puzzles anyway. So I, I just hear it and I assume that this is you kind of admitting guilt. Two things. One, our game is a parody and it's an homage to other games, specifically horror escape rooms from nine years ago. So we already (laughs) stole all our puzzles from everybody else. Our puzzles were not original ideas. They were, what have we seen so many times we have to find a new way to do it? But that is the novelty that the novelty in puzzles is not that you come up with a brand new puzzle type because they don't really exist like they do. But in puzzle hunts, for the most part, we're recombining and putting interesting twists on things that already exist. That is the creativity. That is the novelty. We weren't reinventing the wheel. We were just trying to make a better wheel. Yeah. And so we didn't care if anybody thought they were going to steal our ideas. And two, someone came and played our game, who is an owner overseas. And there's one puzzle in the game that is actually very much original. It came out of a struggle with a puzzle that just wasn't working. We'd beta tested for nine weeks on our game and we still had this puzzle in there and we thought it was going to work and it just wasn't working. And it used to be lights and switches and a sign. And we tried many ways to make it work. Didn't work. So I threw together something in like a day to replace it. Because I was like, I got to make an easier puzzle. This isn't working. We're going to rip all the lights out. We had 10 lights in there. We ripped them all out of the ceiling. We did. We just redid it in a day, this one puzzle. And I just came up with something. It wasn't anything I'd ever seen before. I just did it. And we had somebody come play our game. And I wasn't there that day, but Jeremiah said he loved that puzzle so much. He told Jeremiah to his face, I am going to put this puzzle in my next game. <laughs> <laughs> so honored by that because (laughs) if it was good enough that somebody wanted to steal it and they'd never seen it before and he has a chain how cool that I was able to come up with something that I can be proud to say I really did create that in such a way that no one had seen it before and I'm really proud of that I mean imitation is the purest form of flattery (laughs) exactly take all the pictures you want steal my puzzles that's fine I'm so excited that you're having fun and that we made something that's worth stealing. I would say the amount of gumption that it takes for an enthusiast to actually get off their butts and build something is very low. So (laughs) most of the people playing are probably not going to steal it and then go open up their own escape room based on all your puzzles. (laughs) No kidding. There's one other thing about the influencers and photos that I did want to bring up with our room specifically. We've worked really hard to turn our escape room into its own influencer. We spend a lot of time on our social media sharing things from our game. We share in-game moments. We share videos that we make in the room. 
using the props that we're really proud of because we put a lot of time and effort into them. So show them off. And we've created a TikTok account where we post almost every day. I try to keep up with the trends and we've had several videos go viral and it's brought a ton of business from people that have never done escape rooms before. And we're really proud of that. Anything that is bringing in new players is something that I'm a fan of. And this is why we want to improve our social media presence. I think one of the main reasons why people don't even try an escape room is because they're afraid. When I Google escape rooms, a lot of the questions, like questions on Reddit are like, can someone please tell me what this escape room is like? Or does some, are there videos? Because I'm really nervous. You know, mm-hmm. I want to know what it'll look like. I want to know how scary it'll be. So when you remove that fear, I think people will be more willing to come try it. We've had a lot of, especially young people who said, we decided on your game because we could see inside. That's the main reason we knew what we were getting into. It's totally sensible. Fear of the unknown is a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then we've also had people drive hours to play our game because they saw a viral video and they thought it looked fun. They didn't even know it was an escape room. (laughs) They had no idea what they were signing up for. That's hilarious. (laughs) They just drove two hours so they could see the thing from the TikTok. And we're like, okay, so we're going to separate you from your friends at the beginning. And they were like, oh, what's the blindfold for? I'm like, you're going to wear it. Here we go. That's the most amazing is to just walk in completely blind. That's the best. (laughs) They're like, there's puzzles in this? We're like, yeah. You Uh, really didn't go to the website, did you? (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. So you are a ventriloquist and I have had the pleasure of being your dummy during an impromptu performance at the Magic Castle where you are a member. Perhaps you'll disagree, but I feel like ventriloquism is a misunderstood craft. What do you wish people understood about it? That women can do it too? (laughs) Darcy Lynn has made it so people kind of know that. But when I started back in 80 something, early 80s, um, people only had male figures that were ventriloquists or magicians, really. Females were the assistant. The dummies might be female, but it was definitely a time where it was not the type of industry that females got into. And I didn't know what a ventriloquist was when I started doing it. It was a coping mechanism for me. I just made my dolls talk and my stuffed animals talk. So I didn't even know it was a skill until I was already been doing it for years. Um, It was a way that I could help people, make people laugh, forget their problems. I performed at like Shriners Grief Camps when I was probably 12 to help kids who'd lost loved ones. Like I used it as a tool to make people laugh. Nowadays, it's definitely opened up as far as who does it, the type of puppets you can use. You can use anything now to do ventriloquism and nobody really cares. You're not... You used a David. (laughs) Yeah, I used a David. But you're not less of a ventriloquist if you use puppets instead of dummies. Back in the day, you'd use dummies. I'm sorry. What's the difference between a puppet and a dummy? A dummy is a wooden figure where a puppet is more of a soft fur creature that you put on your hands and you open your hand up and make its mouth move where a dummy is on a a stick and you're running controls on the inside. It's more mechanical. They're more expensive 
they really keep people from getting into the art if they feel like that's part of what you need. My dummy Darlene back in the mid nineties is when I got her. She was $1,200. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So she's not cheap. Yeah. That's what I wish people knew. Our dummies are not toys and you don't need to come up with your sticky little chocolate covered fingers and try to touch their faces. They're not easy to clean. (laughs) I feel that. If anyone is wondering how I was a dummy, Lisa and I were both dummies. She tapped our backs when we needed to open our mouths and removed her hands when we should close them. And we were at least moderately well-trained. Yeah, it's an old technique. Some of my most pronounced memories of you involve random and slightly unhinged requests while you were participating in the greatest international scavenger hunt, more commonly known as Gish. Can you explain this madness? Oh my gosh, I love Gish. It used to be Gishwiz, the greatest international scavenger hunt the world has ever seen. It was started by Misha Collins, who is an actor off of a very popular cult-followed television show. It is an incredibly competitive scavenger hunt. I have never played anything in such a competitive manner as I have Gish. And the challenges are anything from switch books with some other team at a little library to paint the ground below you while wing walking on a biplane. What? These are not all easy tasks. No kidding. Yes. Get a Republican and a Democratic congressperson to be in the same t-shirt. Not matching t-shirts in the same shirt at the same time to show unity. Make them share the shirt of shame. (laughs) Some of the things that we've accomplished that I was really proud of, I built two human-sized sardine costumes and got my friends to show up to a full-size commercial airplane with about 30 other friends. And we all loaded onto the airplane and I sat between the two sardines and got a photo while reading my Gish coffee table book from a year before that. Can you provide us this photo? We will put it in the show notes. Oh, I can provide you with that photo. But they're coffee table books. And I have all of them all the way back to 2015. Oh, you can hear things falling. That's my organization. Um, Let me see if I can pull this up so I can tell you some of the prompts. Because the entire list is in the beginning of the book. The Gish Wiz book from 2015, the first year that I did it. Pick a number, PG, between 1 and 215. Uh, 170. 170. So item 170 was a sock monkey cinnamon hug. Let's see. 10 people wearing sock monkey hats doing a cinnamon roll hug. Video, 32 points. What is a cinnamon roll? Uh, This is a whole rabbit hole. I don't know. I'd have to figure that out and then get 10 people to wear sock monkey hats and make a video of it. Um, Okay. So they're really specific. It's not like they're open to interpretation. So if they say get Neil Patrick Harris to do a thing, you have to get Neil Patrick Harris. You don't get a lookalike. You don't dress up like him. You don't do a cartoon of him. You get him. And if you don't get him, you don't get points. And if you pretend you got him and you lie and trick them into thinking you got him and you didn't get him and they find out you get disqualified. So you don't want to cheat. And then the prizes you get to go somewhere cool with Misha and your team. There's 15 people on a team. 
and they fly you to maybe Laos and you get to take 3D printed limbs to kids who have been injured through the bombs that Americans dropped during the war that haven't been cleaned up yet and they play with them and now they're injured and so we're going to help them. Or you get to go spend the weekend in a castle in Scotland and try to find Nessie with Misha. Uh, It's mostly his fans. I didn't do it because of him. I did it because I love competition and weird stuff. And I ended up creating my own team and we were runner up for three years, I think. We never won and it's over now. They stopped doing it. Oh, that's such a bummer. (laughs) Yeah, it was my like I would book out from my agent. I would tell everybody, hey, two weeks beforehand. Hey, I'm going to be doing guests in two weeks. Be prepared. I'm going to need you to reach out to that queen that, you know, in that small country because she's going (laughs) to have to do a thing for me. I mean, you've definitely sent me requests over the years and they've definitely been things where I'm like, I want to help, but. I, I have no idea how to help you. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite items, though, Jeremiah and I dressed up in wedding attire and stood and hugged in the middle of a farmer's market for, I think it was 30 minutes, 15 minutes, and then time lapsed it down to 10 seconds. It happens in August or did happen in August. So it was 110 that day, I think, in the valley. And we could only find one place to do it. So we stood in the heat in the sun exposed for that entire time. And everybody kept asking what we were doing. And our friend was helping with the camera. And so when they got close to that last 15 seconds, everybody started counting down. And some of the booth vendors came running out as soon as we stopped the tape and handed us water and fruit and just like, are you okay? That was so cool. And everyone was clapping. And it's just such a cool way to get everybody involved in something that raises money for charities and nonprofits. So it was such a cool experience. And I really hope that somebody comes up with something like it. David, sounds like a new (laughs) project, right? This sounds like fun and also sounds like something that I definitely do not have time for. Yeah. But I really want to be the guy who says yes to that. I'm not there yet. It is one of those things that just has brought me so much joy over the years. And everybody who's probably ever met me has been requested for something weird at some point. If I was gishing and you were anywhere within a way for me to get a hold of you. I think you did send me a weird request also at some point. (laughs) Christine, what is the best way for people to follow you and your work? This is about to be a very different answer than we usually get from our guests. Yeah. Most people are like, I don't know. You could email me. I think I have Facebook. I am like, (laughs) all right. So I have a personal Instagram, Christine Barger official. I have the haunt girl Instagram, the haunt girl. If you just think I'm an interesting person, follow me. If you are interested in haunts and escape rooms, follow the haunt girl. I have a blog, thehauntgirl.com. I have TikTok. For both of those names as well, the cat has TikTok, Bagheera Fun, the Escape Room has TikTok, uh, Exit Game OC, and uh, we also have Instagram. So if you're interested in coming to play the game or seeing what you could do as an owner for your room, if you are willing to just put in a lot of time and effort or get a marketing team that can handle it or get a young person who actually understands the platforms. But yeah, so you can find me on Instagram or TikTok or thehauntgirl.com, the haunt girl, 
Exit Game OC or Christine Barger official on Instagram. Christine Barger everywhere else. We'll have all the links for you in the show notes as well. Whole mess of links. And YouTube, just search me. You'll find me. Christine, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a pleasure. It was a delight to get to know you as a blogger. It's been a wonderful experience getting to know you as an escape room creator. Well, you guys are awesome. You know I think that, though. (laughs) Likewise. The Reality Escape Pod is produced by Teresa Piazza with support by Lisa Spira. We're edited by Steve Ewing of Stand Inside Media, music by Ryan Elder, logo by Janine Proct, and all of this is brought to you by RoomEscapeArtist.com, your home for well-researched, rational, and reasonably humorous escape room and immersive gaming content and events. You've made it to the end of the episode. I'm guessing that you had a good time because otherwise you would have bailed. How about you go and take that good time straight over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Help other people find what we're doing. It really helps us out. And think about who you just helped out by helping them find a podcast that they are really going to enjoy. Go do it. Do it now. Thank you. Well, folks, it is that time. You know exactly the one I'm talking about. It's the one where the desperate content creator tells you, please, please join our Patreon, please. I know you hear it from everybody, but it means so much to us. The amount of time and energy and money that we put into producing shows like this to the degree that we produce them and all of the other things that we're doing, it just takes a lot. And our patrons, every single one of them matters at every single level. So if you have the money available and it's not gonna be a hardship for you, please consider backing us on Patreon. And if it is gonna be a hardship, please don't. And backing us at the $5 level gets you access to the RIA Discord, and it also gets you our bonus after show. The show goes on for like another 40 to 50 minutes usually. A lot of times we have the guests joining us. I mean, that's, that's longer than that cup of coffee will last you. At the $15 level, you also get access to our Spoilers Club. Here, we take deep dives into iconic, well-known escape rooms, and we're joined by the creators who come in and gives us exclusive behind-the-scenes, director's cut-style commentary. This is some of my favorite content to produce because I love talking about escape rooms in full. You can learn more at patreon.com slash roomescapeartist link and details in the show notes we'd like to thank our highest level patrons panic room escapism olivier escape jonathan driscoll breakout games derek tam joshua rosenfeld byron delmonico keystone escape games scott olson paula swan rex miller and the ministry of peculiarities thank you for your ongoing support What a better story to share with this community than the time my husband and I went from Los Angeles, where we live, to go play 13th Gate in Baton Rouge. And we were so excited. We booked for uh, Memorial Day weekend. This was years ago. And we had to join people in a public game. And we thought, oh boy, we're going to ruin somebody's vacation. Because enthusiasts (laughs) jumping into an average person's game is usually not fun for the average person, even though we try to be nice. And then we get there and we had booked with a group from Los Angeles 
that consisted of Mind Trap with Nathan, Emma, Vincent, and Aiden, Boss Play, which was Jeremy and Rebecca, and Edwin and Unlockables. What a coincidence! So we knew everybody that we were going to be playing with and didn't run anybody's vacation. No kidding. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. That reminds me of the time David had one random person booked into his escape room in a public game, and it was Tommy Wallach from Hatch Escapes. <laughs> oh, I love Tommy. 